This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Tuesday, October 24th, 2017. I have a very special guest today, and that is Nick Gray of Android and Me. Hi, Nick. How are you? I am doing excellent. Thank you. Ah, awesome. So uh, last week I was in Hong Kong for the Qualcomm 4G 5G Summit, and uh, we the embargo for the Pixel 2s had just lifted when my podcast went live. So we obviously talked about the uh, the uh, Pixels a lot, and we also talked about the Mate 10, which had uh, you know been uh, been announced by then. The embargo had lifted for that, but I think we need to talk about the Pixel to some more you have a pixel 2 and i'm primarily using a pixel 2 xl and i have the pixel 2 although i've just barely touched it um what's your what's your initial take what's your first impressions after a few days after a few days i am loving this phone i mean i i bought the pixel 2 specifically because it was built by htc and uh, as many people know i'm a huge htc fan um, and I really wasn't digging the whole super large phones. I've got a handful of those, so I opted for the smaller one. And this thing's amazing. It is a great phone. Yeah, I do think it. At least the small one looks a little frumpy to me. That's my issue right now with HTC phones. Is that until we get a, a okay? Let's rewind. Um, since the G6, ever since I've used an 18 by 9 aspect ratio or close to 18 by 9 uh, that fills most of the body of the phone. Whether it be, you know, the G6, the V30, the Galaxy S8, S8 Plus, Note 8, Essential Phone, uh, Mi Mix 2, uh, am I forgetting any, um, Pixel 2 XL, I cannot go back. I just cannot go back. It's not really about a phone size anymore. It's about real estate per phone size. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you on that one. I've, I've used a handful of other phones this summer that, you know, had the standard 18 by 9 aspect ratio, you know, including this one. and you can tell the difference as far as screen real estate to body size and anyone who says oh you know 16 by 9 is good enough yeah there's people who are going to prefer that um but yeah i, I agree with you completely 18 by 9 is the way it's the way to go f- going forward i mean and there's so no I'm, reason why this phone doesn't there's have nothing it. htc makes that fulfills that and i cannot get out of that anymore especially when you have phones like the g6 and the Galaxy S8 that are relatively small displays and, and small phones because of it, right? Um, to me, it was a complete miss for uh, Google not to make this a wide, an ultra-widescreen, smaller version of the phone. Well, I, I think there's some other things at play here. There could be that there's only a certain number or certain sizes of the displays that are currently available as we're seeing with new rumors coming up with, you know, upcoming OnePlus phones, HTC phones, they are looking at 18 by nine and they're different sizes of displays. Uh, You know, with the Pixel 2, it's a five inch display and we haven't seen any edge to edge five inch displays yet. So it could be that the manufacturing isn't there yet. But we've seen five point, haven't we seen like 5.9 or 5.7 inch, like on the, the G6? Well, the, yeah, the G6, uh, yeah, the Galaxy S6 has the 5.7, right? Um, But that's the only one, like, we haven't seen a smaller one than that. The G6 is smaller than the Galaxy S8. 
Yes. So what I'm saying is the, G, the yeah, LG display right. from the G6 could be put in a Pixel 2 and the phone would remain the same size and you'd get 20% more real estate. They could. And that's, that's I, what I'm talking about. I want to be in that gonna, boardroom having that meeting with them. I'm going to be critical about it. I, I think these decisions were made a long time ago when it wasn't practical to do so. And HTC does not have access to LG's displays for no. whatever reason, clearly. Um, so that's the only thing for me is, is I want to love the Pixel 2, but every time I pick it up, I'm put off by the 16.9. And I can't, I can't get over it. Everything else about the phone is awesome because it's the same phone as the bigger one. And obviously, it's an awesome phone. It's just like, I cannot do it. I just like, no, no, not this year. I'm done. After carrying a Pixel XL for an entire year with this absolutely horrendously large bezel, top and bottom, and sides too. And, and I feel the same way about the Pixel 2. The, the, the bezels on the edge of it. The bezels like, on the edge are unacceptable. Unacceptable. It, it reminds and me you of know what next... it is? It's the pressure sensors. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I, I, honestly, it reminds me of the Nexus 9, the tablet which had massive bezels at the top and bottom and the sides, which was, there's no reason for it at all. So who yeah, knows what they're so thinking this is when they what were I'm designing like, it. I, so, you know, we, we're going to talk about the HTC rumors and the OnePlus 5T rumors. Uh, there's HTC U11 Plus rumors. And, and, and I really hope these two, these phones have these wide, wide screen, ultra wide screen displays, even if they're only 1080p displays, honestly, at this point. Like the Mate 10 Pro is only a 1080p width display. I mean, it's taller than... 1920 because it's 189 aspect ratio but i would rather see that frankly uh than a quad hd you know a scaled down quad hd uh, uh 69 display on a small form factor phone so but we need to talk about the elephant in the room we need to talk about the pixel xl2 display and the issues around that one um because you know we wouldn't we would do doing everybody a disservice if we didn't. What what's your take on on this issue? And and I'll tell you my experience with mine. Um. So I've only seen it. Uh, I had a friend that actually has the Pixel Two XL that I saw two days ago, and you know the first time I had seen the phone, I didn't notice any of the issues. And then after all the news broke, you know about the low quality display, the burn in, um, the weird colors at an angle. Uh, I could see it immediately. I didn't notice it the first time, but once someone points it out to you, you can't unsee it. Um, and I, I, I think it's one of those—it's one of those things where the technology for these display, these aspect ratios, is still new, and so they're running off of new manufacturing processes. They're starting off something new with you know higher resolutions at these sizes. The display quality just isn't there yet. Like I think. Three months from now, this is not going to be an issue with these displays rolling off of the manufacturing line. But right now, they got the first batch, and the first batch is bad. But remember, the first batch is not really the first batch. Because the V30 true. has the exact same display. And this it's is been so out for a while. So, uh, this is the problem. Like, is it actually the display, or is it part of the lamination process of, you know, the screen to the glass, or something in between? Well, it's not glass. That's causing it. So, it's a plastic OLED. So mm -hmm. it's got a plastic okay. substrate, which is what the problem is. So here's the, th the history lesson here is look at the LG G Flex 2 or the LG G Flex mm -hmm. original, which, as you know, were curved um, shaped front panel dis uh, displayed phones, right? Do you yep. remember them? Yep. 
Yeah, well, they had plastic OLED. flexible phones. And if you remember, they were blotchy as fuck. Like, you looked at those screens with a uniform color, any uniform color, and you could see inconsistencies in the light emitted by these OLED pixels. Mm -hmm. And, And that's been the challenge for plastic AMOLED for LG for a while. Now, Samsung's mastered it because they use plastic AMOLED in the anything that has an edge. So since yep. the Note Edge, then the Galaxy S6 Edge, S7 Edge, uh, Note 7, S8, and S8 Plus, and Note 8 now. Um, but they have mastered it somehow, and they have no blotchiness. So fast forward a few years, LG's kind of given up. Or we haven't seen any phones with OLED from LG in a while. Um, and their cheaper LG OLED displays, like lesser resolution, are actually pretty. Con- the glass ones are pretty consistent in their color quality, uh, like you know the no blotchiness. So the V30 comes along, and I get my review unit, and it's a pre-production unit. I get it in August, like mid-August, and I immediately notice blotchiness, not a lot. And it's funny because I actually, I shouldn't say I immediately noticed. There is blotchiness, but it doesn't even become obvious to me until Vlad Savov is on my podcast and we talk about the V30 and he says, have you seen the blotches? And then I see the blotches and I go, oh, you gotta be kidding me. And then I was like, oh, well, pre-production, right? Like no big deal. Because, you know, pre-production, I can kind of look the other way. Now I have a V30 production. It's still in the box. I haven't opened it. Uh, It's a Verizon model. I'm going to check it out and see any issues I have. And From what I've heard, it's still there, though. It's not as noticeable, but it's still there. And the problem is, as soon as someone points it out to you, you can't unsee it. Unsee it, it. exactly. So, to me, that was the first bad sign. Because it, it became very clear, very quickly obvious from the leaks of the Pixel 2 XL that it was going to have the exact same display as the V30 mm-hmm. based on the specs, the, the you know, and the fact that LG is making the phone for for uh, Google. I, and, and, you know, obviously, I'm hoping everyone listening to this knows that the Pixel 2 that Nick has and that I have and I'm not using are, is made by HTC and that the Pixel 2 XL is made by LG. Um, so... I was like, well, they'll resolve this V30 display issue by, 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 uh, you know, by launch. And then I got my V30. I haven't checked it. I should check it now. I really should check it. The Pixel 2 came along. Pixel 2 XL came along. And mine looked all right. There was less blotchiness than the V30 review unit I had uh, from out of the box. That's the first thing I checked, right? Um, I did not see some of the things people are talking about, like shimmering rainbowiness in low You're light. You're not seeing the color variations? I'm my, I don't think my eyes are good enough. I might be seeing something, but I'm not sure I can put my finger on it. What I am seeing, though, is the blue tint when you go off angle a little bit. Strangely, it's a lot less pronounced on the V30. So I think this is a screen coating, like external glass coating thing. This mm-hmm. is not to do with the display. This is whatever Gorilla Glass coating that they chose for the for LG chose for the Pixel 2 XL versus the V30. Probably more expensive coating on the V30. And it's less, it's there, but it's really less, quite a bit less. Honestly, the blue tint doesn't bother me. It's like I adapt immediately. It's just a different white balance, basically. Yeah. Um, 
But it's weird that a phone that costs $850 exhibits that, such a variation in color when you change the viewing angles. I would expect an OLED viewing angle to be perfect, like almost all the way to the edge, right? Like it should be pretty much consistent no matter what the angle is. Well, and, and here's the thing. So like Samsung's been doing this for years and so has LG. I mean, as you said, it goes back a couple generations now. And Samsung's perfected their OLED screens. And, you know, I'm looking at the Note 8 right here. Yeah. And you put this at any angle and it's you amazing. cannot see anything wrong with that display. And you put up, you know, a V30 right next to it and you're like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. night and day the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what magic sauce Samsung's put into their manufacturing process, but there's an obvious quality difference. But I think it's panels. a coding thing because your Pixel 2 does it too. Look carefully and you lose, you you have some color and brightness shifting when you go off off center. You do. and But it, it it's at an extreme angle. Like I, I'm looking at it right now. And but the fact that it's happening is weird. it's about 70%. Yeah. This so is totally. a Samsung display and we'd expect it to be perfect. I'd expect, I mean, I've had HTC phones Way back, like the HTC One X. Oh, that screen um, was that amazing. Had you, it had IPS, but you, you could look at it from any angle and it felt like those icons mm -hmm. were floating on the glass. I have not seen a phone like this in years. In years, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I don't understand how it's five years later and we still don't have that problem solved. Yeah, who knows? Like, I mean, anyway, it's I don't want to be the engineers on the production. No, line but the bottom people... line is if you buy a Pixel 2 XL, assuming they can get over the biggest issue, which we haven't touched yet, um, the, yes, you're going to get blue tint. Just get used to it. I don't think it's a deal breaker. I think it's a little unfortunate for an $850 phone, but the V30 suffers from it too, to quite a bit lesser extent, but it does. Second thing is the whole color balance issue, uh, color gamut, color space issue. Uh, that I think, and, and so, you know, everybody's saying, well, it's tuned for sRGB and that's why it's dull. No, sRGB is not supposed to be this dull. I just read no. a really good post on G plus and I will, uh, on Google plus, I will link to it in the show notes. Um, I don't know if you guys know, um, this, this French, uh, engineer, what's his name? I'm trying to figure out his name. Hang on. I'm, I'm just bringing it up in Google plus here. But he's basically uh, penned a little uh, uh, thing on Google Plus explaining uh, what's going on with, you know, with, with the display. He thinks it's, uh, not, it's not tuned properly from the factory. Like it's a quality control issue, the color tuning that in software that is coming, that is coming out with. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like he said, this is not accurate as RGB. It's way less than sRGB. There is a problem here. Something's wrong in the software. Um, Francois Simon is his name. Um, and, and, you know, it's like, it's like, I believe him because I've seen sRGB before and it doesn't look like that. I'm sorry. It doesn't look that dull. No. And, and it could be a combination too with the display issue that they're having. Because, uh, I mean, it doesn't look it doesn't look dull at all on the Pixel 2. Exactly. So, well, it's just a slight it, difference. Actually, the Pixel 2 is a little dull to me as well. So it's definitely a, it definitely sRGB makes a difference. And they could certainly get, like, even in vivid mode, I use both of them in vivid mode. Mm -hmm. um, even in vivid mode makes very little difference. 
The reality, though, is everybody has to understand that Samsung's colors are way oversaturated and totally wrong. Oh, completely. Right? Well, so that's you can't the thing. Really Everyone's compare. getting used to that. You can't really compare. If you look at an iPhone, you want to see realistic colors. If you look at an iPhone, that's really the point of reference you mm -hmm. should be looking at because they have really tuned that very, very well. So anyway, um, there is a lot of issues there that are going to be fixed in software. So don't worry too much about that. There's enough complaining that Google will fix this uh, calibration thing, this space, whatever you want to call it. They have to. They have to. It's too dull. But the V30 next to it is not dull at all. So we know it's a tuning issue. Mm -hmm. So that takes care of that second problem. So don't worry about that. Do worry about the blue tint if you think you can't live with, you know, the, definitely viewing angles are compromised because of this blue tint. But it's not like the display gets that much dimmer or anything. It just looks bluer and you get used to it very quickly and it's fine. But you're right, $850 phone, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow. But the biggest issue, and I can't believe that, and I'm experiencing it. I, I tweeted about it yesterday. I discovered it yesterday. I have the screen burning. And honestly, I think that's uh, a worse issue. That's really bad. That's making me really worry because, look, guys, I don't want to, like, seriously, this phone is unbelievable, either of them. Like, if you want, I, it's hard for me not to say this is the best phone on the planet other than the display issues. You know what I'm saying? But that's a big. That's but. a big one, right? That's yeah, a really exactly. Big stain. Because that's the thing you look. That's the thing you use the most is the display. You look at it. You use the phone. So and to if me, you can't see, get that right. Absolutely, and to me, the Pixel Two eh, doesn't hit the mark because of the display being the wrong aspect ratio, not because of the quality of the display. But at least if you buy that, you know that there's no quality control issues. There's just a, mm -hmm. maybe a color space tuning stuff that uh, that Google will fix. But with the Pixel 2 XL right now, you pretty much have to worry that the, you know, the blue tint's going to be there no matter what, and maybe reduced in future production lines. But this screen burning right now, we don't have any information. Google's researching it. They, they assured us that they're working on it. They sent me a brand new Pixel 2 XL overnight, instantaneously, which I haven't, I just got it this morning. I haven't had a chance to look at it. But honestly, this burn-in came after just a week of using it as my daily driver. And now I have to switch phones. And you know how it is with daily drivers. You have so many things you need to log in and copy yep. over. It's a real hassle. So I'm going to go through the motions of spending half a day setting up this new Pixel 2 XL. And I can guarantee you, I don't want to be a negative, but I can guarantee you a week later, I'll have the burn-in again. Because I think they don't know what they're looking at. They, then they haven't fixed it. I think that this is a display production issue. And interestingly, the V30 does not have any burn-in. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, the, the display seems to be the same as what's in the V30. But actually, I want to see if someone can figure out what the panel number actually is to see if it's the same. Because there's so many... Yes, there's similarities with some of the issues that they're having. But there's just a, a disparity between those issues as well, which are amplified on the Pixel 2 XL. So I'm thinking they started a new production cycle or something like that and something screwed up. And, you know, honestly, we could see this coming down the pipeline with the V30 as well, if it is the same panel. I actually nope. think the screen burning that we're seeing is normal, but not normal. Let me explain. I think it's happening because of a software problem. The software problem is, and please pull out your Pixel 2 and, and follow along with me, because mm -hmm. you will see it on your Pixel 2 as well. So, you know, you're in the lock screen right now, or maybe the, the home screen. Uh, go into any app, like say Chrome, 
Yep. Okay, do you see at the bottom how there's a black bar and mm -hmm. very bright white buttons sticking out, right? And this black contrast. bar. That is the problem. It's high contrast and they're not doing the dithering and moving around the controls like they're doing on the Samsung phones. You know, Samsung on the Galaxies moves those three buttons a few yeah, they, pixels off here and there they randomly the pixels, and yep. they shift them around. And that's not happening combined with a black background and a white foreground. And what do you get? Screen burning after a week. I don't, th I think that if you display that image, uh, this, if I displayed an image like that on the, on the V30 for a week, not, not continuously, but primarily showed that, like you can switch the V30 to a black background for the buttons. Mine is set to a white background right now. Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you a week later to have the same burning. I actually don't think it's a production issue. I actually think that it's just the nature of AMOLED and the high contrast is messing it up. It could be. Um, I, cause I've seen the, I've seen the burn in, in images with the bottom buttons, but I haven't seen the burn in at the top of the screen with like well, the battery. Well, it's not as high contract. With the, the battery or anything like that. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, yes, it's this white is on black. But I mean, then again, it, it depends on your wallpaper and everything like that. For uh, sure. But, I mean, once you open up an app, usually the black bar at the top or the bar at the top turns black, uh, but sometimes it's a different color. So it, it could be a combination of both. But I, I don't know. I think Google really kind of missed the mark this year with the display. And everyone was excited when the rumors came out that, you know, they had made that investment into LG display in order to use the panels. But honestly, now it's looking kind of like a mistake. Yeah, and I, I, look, I love the V30 and I love the Pixel 2 XL and it's really vexing me that my two favorite phones share the same display the same that issue. is slightly blotchy, has blue tint issues to certain degrees, and I have, clearly have burn-in issues. I'm sure that the V30 will have burn-in issues sooner than later. And, and it's, it's, I think it's just LG is not at Samsung's level. No, they're not. I mean, not. that is just the reality of it. And, you know, well, there's I, nothing we can do at this point. We're kind of screwed for the next year. Yeah. You know? And, but that's, to say that, though, the G6 that I have, that I've had, I had the pre-production unit from Mobile World Congress. I've used that the whole time, and I know LG doesn't move around the buttons on that one. I have no screen burn-in. I have The no, G6? Yeah. It's IPS, my friend. Yeah, but... You're not going to get burned yeah, on IPS. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's true. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, look, I, I agree with, like, I'm going to, I'm calling it now. We're going to see the same complaints on the V6 in three months. I'm calling it. It's happening. Yeah, this I think is, so this too. This is, this is, I, I really think that LG dropped the ball, and we're seeing it first on the Pixel because Google did not tune this for an OLED display. Mm -mm. I think Google completely let us down on the, the, the color tuning and the and generally the the optimizing for OLED by having little pixel shifting and stuff happening. And now we're seeing it. And I don't know how that went through the, the testing phase. And I think it's going to happen on the Samsung screen, the Pixel 2 as well. But because they're better engineered display to start with, we're going to get less burn in and it's going to take a lot longer. Uh, and we're going to get, you know, we're, but we're going to see it. We're going to see it too. Don't worry. It's going to happen because they're not, if they're not shifting pixels, you're going to see it. Yeah, because Samsung's shifting the pixels on their galaxies because they know this is a problem. They know, yeah. And so, look, I don't want to piss on Google because they're amazing. This phone is amazing. This is by f like by far to me the best phone on the planet, other than well, 
the thing it's you pic- look at. And honestly, for me, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't do the Pixel 2. So for me, it comes down to just the Pixel 2 XL at this point. And so with the Pixel 2 XL, I pretty much have to say, wait, because hopefully they'll have answers. I, I think that if they tune the color space uh, gamut stuff, and if they fix the, you know, minimize burn-in by doing some sh- pixel shifting, we're going to have a, a phone that's fine. I mean, you, we'll have to still live with the blue tint off-center a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be a killer. Because look, I want you to understand, folks, everybody who's listening right now, if you look at this screen at first sight, it looks great. Mm-hmm. It looks a little dull, but it looks great. In vivid mode, it's perfectly passable. Look at the photos on my Twitter feed, my Instagram of the front of that phone. Does it look like any other phone? Yeah, it does. It looks good. Like there's nothing wrong with it at first sight. But then people point stuff out, like Nick said, and you're like, oh no. Right? Yeah. And that's 850. 850 for that. 850 for that. But so here's the thing though. Like a lot of the color distortions that you get are when you're looking at the phone off angle. When was last time you yeah, actually used your phone often. at off angle? I know. I used and that's my phone head saying. on. Yeah. And that's, that's why I don't think it's that bit of a deal. Exactly. And, and, and I think the color balance stuff is really not a big deal. They're going to fix that. Don't worry about it. But, but here's my this, recommendation. Yeah. Wait, wait two months and they'll have it fixed. They'll have a new, new display that they're using, something new off the production line that's going to fix those issues by, by Christmas. I, I think we're I not really even going to be so. talking about this anymore. I'm hoping. I really hope so because they, they, they I can't mean, let you know, this slide though. No, I mean, they're not in a market position to do that. Uh, to, you know, they already, it's like, we know that the, the production line is, is constrained, right? Like last year they didn't, Pixel was always out of stock, right? Uh, so Yeah, but that, honestly, the, the, so many rumors on that, that it was Google's fault and not really the production line, so... Was what I don't care whose fault it is. I'm yeah. just saying that to me, it's interesting that Google, on one hand, makes it sound like they want the Pixel brand to be a big thing, right? They want to grow that brand, they want to become a significant player in the phone market, but they're not remotely there. No, sure, they're the darling of the tech press. I mean, I we love this, these phones, mm-hmm. but they're not selling in the numbers that give them any kind of market lead compared to the fact that their services certainly are market leading. Um, and I don't think that's going to change the Pixel 2 or XL for that matter. I, I don't think they're going to meet production quotas. I, I, so that's why I'm, I'd like to think like you that in two months it's going to be resolved, but you know, that's but only if, if they, you know, have the, the numbers to back it, right? But even then, like you're saying two, two months it will be resolved. If this was Samsung, it would be a scandal. It would be be a scandal. They would be issuing a press release right now saying we've identified the issue, we've halted production, we've thrown 10 million units in the trash, and we're sending you new ones. You know, that's what Samsung would do. Google's definitely not there. They're not on that level, especially because they don't own the manufacturing process. Totally. They're having to rely on LG for it. So it's, it's one of them. I'd imagine they're in meetings right now pointing fingers at each other and, you know, threatening lawsuits. All I'm saying is that Google has been fantastic. From everything I hear, all of us journalists have got replacement units instantly. Obviously, you'd expect that. But I'm hearing that people who are consumers, customers, are getting replacement units if they see burn-in. So, you know, I don't, think, I don't think it's going to solve the problem. They're going to see burn-in again in a week. Don't worry. 
Trust me on this. I'm pretty sure that'll happen unless there are two batches and I'm wrong. But hey, we'll see. We'll see what happens on mine in a week, my new one. Um, but look, I don't want to stop you from lusting after or and or buying a Pixel 2, maybe a regular Pixel 2 instead for now, because let's talk about all the good stuff. We spent half an hour almost uh, <laughs> yes. talking about the bad stuff because look, this camera, oh my fucking God. It doesn't get any better. Wow. I mean, no, it doesn't get any better, but not only that, but it raises the bar for the entire industry. It's like setting it to 11 on the volume knob, you know, it's like spinal tap. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, we've seen some really good cameras this year. Um, you know, HTC U11 had an amazing camera. Phenomenal. Phenomenal camera. I love the G6's camera because of the wide angle lens and that the it had. the V30, I love the V30 camera. It, it's really, yeah, really solid. Um, Galaxy but, camera is good. iPhone 8's camera is good. But I think Google's showing their prowess in AI again uh -huh. and again and again. And it's not about, hey, we have the best, best sensor or four sensors or 12 sensors. We know how to pick apart every pixel that that sensor captures and deliver an amazing picture by analyzing it, telling, you, telling it where the lighting should be, where it shouldn't be, how to do the highlights, the lowlights. Even blurring out the background, we only need one sensor to do that, and we're doing everything else with the software. Uh, I, I honestly think that's the future. I mean, yes, you could probably improve upon it if you added two sensors to the back, but they've shown that they don't need it. Right, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's there's so much to talk about here, and it's all about the future of photography, guys. It's about the fact that Really, we're going into a world where software photography becomes as, re as relevant as the hardware. I mean, it's always been the case that image processing was really critical. But I think in this particular case, what we're seeing is you can go, you, you know, you, we're now at the level of like an S95, possibly close to an RX100 in terms of performance on a phone with this camera. That's what I'm going to say. You know, I would challenge you to challenge me on that because, and I'm not talking about you specifically, Nick, but the folks out there, because it is blowing my mind how good this camera is for the sensor size and, and general optics, right? I, I mm -hmm. mean, there are two improvements over last year, which are really critical and significant. The big changes are OIS number one, which I always have been a big advocate for and said that all phones should have it. The problem with OIS and the reason Google removed it after the Nexus 6 and now only put it back on the Pixel 2 XL and Pixel 2 is because it's really hard to tune. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're better off cutting your losses, removing OIS, and, and just getting the other stuff right before you start adding OIS. And this is exactly what they did. They really got on top of their game with a Pixel, with the, with the you know, the the computational photography aspects of the Pixel with HDR Plus last year. And it started a little bit with the Nexus 6P and Nexus 5X. We started seeing some of that there. And then it really, sh uh, sh uh, you know, sh shone. Is that is that the right English here? Shining? So. Shone? It shone with the shone Pixel, through. Pixel XL last year? Shone through? And now they added OIS. And it's interesting. It actually still relies more on the HDR Plus electronic stabilization 
And then when it runs out of that, it uses the OIS. I've noticed. I mean, the OS is always active, but what I'm saying to you is that uh, in terms of shutter speed selection, it prioritizes fast shutter speeds um, so that, you know, if you have an action shot in low light, it still gets it, right? Because yeah. a lot of phones go like, well, I have OIS and this is like very dark, so I'm going to take a photo that lasts, like, you know, one-tenth of a second and then everything is blurry that's in motion right <laughs> despite the fact that the camera itself is not blur like it's not inducing any blur mm -hmm. uh, the subjects are inducing blur so i think this is a very clever thing that they're doing there and then they've refined the hdr plus because they have a snapdragon 835 and they have a lot of horsepower um in the isp and the cpu they're able to you know do HDR plus plus basically like double plus, you know, like uh, more pictures, more segmentation, more analysis, m you know, and, and remember the thing about Google, and I think you, you said that Nick is AI, right? Like they have billions of photos in their database from Google searches, uh, image search and from people's photos that they upload using Google photos. Uh, and they can use those to create, uh, machine learning uh, algorithms through neural networks that basically teach the camera how to pick the best settings for the content based on the content of the image in real time. Mm -hmm. And this does not go offline. Like it doesn't go to the cloud to do this. This is like some sort of baked in the camera algorithm transfer function that they can apply this basically little neural net computation and get a good result from. And they can update this transfer function um, you know, every time they update the camera or every time they update the um, the security patches or whatever they want, right? Well, and so you think of, you know, every camera manufacturer, you know, smartphone manufacturer, they're, they have specific tunings that they do. They take raw images, you know, like every camera sensor does. And then they say, okay, now on our side, we're, you know, up the exposure 0.2, down this, up that. And it's a preset based on what you know the, the image that you're taking and what the camera can do google's essentially doing that on the fly analyzing the image rather than saying hey we're just going to apply this preset correct it's saying we are seeing that this is like this but we think if we can tweak this it'll make it more enjoyable for this and it's not just saying hey our presets are really good and a lot of manufacturers right. do that and have really good presets samsung's got really good presets but Google's analyzing it on the fly, saying, you know what, a preset's just not good enough. It doesn't cut it. We can take it to the next level. That's exactly the analogy, and it's a great analogy. Thank you, Nick. So basically, this is why the camera blows our minds. The second improvement, in addition to IS, is a faster lens. Instead of f over 2, it's f over 1.8. As you know, the industry-leading leading cameras have f over 1.6 right now, the V30, mm -hmm. and it pays off. And on top of that, the V30 has a full glass lens stack, so like Nokia did in the day, where Zeiss made their lenses, and they were glass lenses, not plastic lenses. Yep. That's a huge difference on the V30. Uh, so f over 1.6 is the industry standard. The Mate 10 also has f over 1.6. Uh, Galaxies are uh, f over 1.7. Um, so f 1.8 is okay. It's not industry leading, but it's certainly an improvement of f 2 last year. What's different though is that the 12 megapixel sensor last year had pixel, bigger pixels, 1.5 mm -hmm. micron, 5.5, 5, I think. Yeah, and I'm wondering why they decided to... And this year, 1.4. Not sure, like maybe the sensor itself has better performance, even though the pixels themselves are smaller. 
I mean, we can th- obviously see that think, there's there's an improvement, but yeah, I think it's to get the 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 dual pixel phase detect autofocus. Mm-hmm. They had only so they had only so many sensors to choose from, and there yeah. was nothing at one point five five. So they went with one point four, and they're like, "Well, we have a faster lens, so that compensates, right?" Yeah, and I think that's true. The results pretty much speak for themselves. There. They do. And then HDR plus obviously is is the magic sauce, right? I mean, it it, it provides incredible dynamic range uh, in all lighting situations and incredible low light performance and uh, you know motion uh, compensation. Uh, I mean, it it mosaics the picture into multiple chunks and analyzes these chunks separately. And if you have twenty you know images where in that corner you know there is blur and then maybe two of the 20 frames have no blur, they'll take that part and make that, you know, put that in the final picture instead of the other 18, you know? Mm-hmm. It's crazy stuff they do. And it looks so real. And and then the next thing that they're able to do, which blew my mind, but makes so much sense that nobody else is doing. So the U11 has dual pixel. The the uh, Galaxies uh, S8 and Note 8 have dual pixels. There's a bunch of phones with dual pixels and nobody's using it for anything but autofocus. Correct. But Google had the genius of using it for creating a depth map like you would with a dual camera system to basically get some additional data for their portrait mode. And their portrait mode to start with also works on the front camera, which doesn't have the dual pixels because it uses AI. It has learned from all these portrait, high quality portrait pictures on the internet out there from probably DSLRs that Google force fed into their machine learning algorithm that neural net knows how to look at a photo, determine that where to basically cut out the outline of the person or not just persons, anything. Any object. And do a perfect depth well, I, map i'd like, like to point mask. out that they're not the first ones to do that though who is the huawei p10 had portrait mode for their front facing camera p10 it just came out no the the p10 not the mate 10 oh the p10 oh right i, th- I thought you meant the mate 10 and it, it actually does... does it does that also for video so it will focus on you and you can record portrait video and blur out the background in real time as you're recording video Though but you bring they're, they're not the first ones, but I, I think the, the the computational aspect that they're using is different than what Huawei's using. Yeah, and I think you bring something up that's really good. The Mate 10, I thought you were talking about the Mate 10, but yeah, the, the P10, I got it. The Mate 10, however, which was just announced last week, um, has, uh, you know, they claim to have an AI-based uh, uh, similar algorithm to what the Pixel 2 has for imaging. So they don't mm-hmm. use presets as much as they analyze the image and set the settings but and and so i think this is totally valid uh obviously clearly works for google but the thing is huawei doesn't have google's data set and if you know anything about machine learning and ai and neural networks it's all about your data set so i question whether i mean look i think the the mate 10 is going to have an amazing camera just for the f over 1.6 and the fact that they're doing even doing some sort of ai thing for the image for the settings but I think it's not going to be quite as well-baked as... I don't think it's going to be as, as good. Uh, Huawei, you know, honestly doesn't get enough credit for its cameras I as agree. they it's should. Great. You know, their, their, their partnership with Leica has, you know, done some incredible things for them. They're actually, you know, getting a good reputation for cameras with the, with the Mate 10s 
with the Mate 10 and the P10, even last year's Mate 9. Mate 9 and P9 really before that. Yeah, absolutely. Even the Honors have inherited some of that mm -hmm. with the Honor 8 last year. Um, I agree, but I think that they're not, you know... They don't have, the, as you said, they don't have the data set that, that Google has. And, you know, you, you think about all the images that Google, you know, automatically indexes from the web. But Google Photos is what actually catapulted them into that with their yeah. data sets. You know, everyone gets unlimited free, low resolution, you know, granted backups with Google Photos. But I want to know how many trillions of photos Google's backed up for the last, you know, what has it been, three years that Google Photos been available? It's got to be a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I have a personal catalog of over 100,000 photos that have been backed up with Google Photos. Wow. Um, you know, with, with all, like, I took all the photos I've ever taken since my first digital camera and, you know, backed them up with Google Photos. Took about a week and a half, which is crazy. Wow. Um, but, you know, I have over 100,000. <laughs> you, you should, honestly, you should. And the great thing is then it goes back and archives them and creates photo collages and event things. You know, the, the automatic things that Google Photos does for you. Uh, it, it like it pictures from my wedding from you know twelve years ago. It's like right, hey, we created totally. an album for you for your photo wedding pictures. That's ah that's nice, great. yeah. Um, that's awesome. Things like that. The the things that Google Photos does. But I mean, they have such an incredible data set, as you said. And Google Photos, even before they started the Pixel phones and you know their magic that they're doing with the camera, was already analyzing photos and making suggestions. They were doing auto awesome suggestions. You know, if you open, if you're I remember. Up your pictures. And so every so often, I still get them with pictures that I take. I actually posted one from Twitter from my trip that I did this past week. I took a picture and whatever. It wasn't that great of a picture. The, a day later, once it was uploaded to Google Photos over Wi-Fi, it comes back and says, we've created an auto awesome picture for you. Do you want to save it? Yes or no? And it had like distorted, you know, the exposure super high and, you know, this. But it was such a dramatic picture. I was like this is the sweetest picture I took all day and I didn't even edit it. <laughs> Google did it on its own. And right. so they've been doing that for years without even having a camera yet to put it on. And now they have the software directly on the camera to make it even that much better. I know it's, it's look, it's a, it's a revolution. We will look upon this phone as a massive turning point in imaging for the future. And, and, you know, if you compare it to this, the state of the art today is really high. Everyone is on their game. Yes. Huawei, as you said, I love their cameras. I love the Leica stuff. It's so good. Um, you know, obviously HTC U11, obviously the G6 and V30, obviously the galaxies, the iPhone. But as I said, if, if you give them all like a nine or a 10, the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL are like, are, are sitting at like an 11 or a 12. To me, it's easily a 10 to 20% improvement overall. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what, that's what everybody's going to be chasing. This is it. They, they've reset the bar like they did last year. Last year, they set the bar and everybody went, oh, wow, okay, that's what we need to do now? Okay, let's do that. And then they did it in a kind they've of brute force way. Like they did it with OIS and faster lenses and, and bigger pixels and, and, you know, better presets, right? But they didn't do AI. Nobody had HDR+. Plus. Nobody mm -hmm. still, I mean, maybe Huawei now with a Mate 10. But it's like, I think HTC used some of that and I, Samsung I it, started using some of yeah, it too. And I, I think it has to do with Qualcomm's imaging stuff. I was just going to say that. We got to thank Qualcomm for the, the ISP goodness there, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. What it, do you Go Sorry, ahead. go on. Go um, on. One of the things that, you know, I, I was really astonished with, if you look back two months 
and you look at all the YouTubers and all the, you know, Android blogs or smartphone blogs, they would recompare, you know, what's the best smartphone camera of 2017. And last year's Pixel, which was approaching, you know, still 10, in there. 10 months yeah, old, I know, would be number one or number two still. Uh-huh. Even after the Galaxy S, you know, 8 and the And the HTC Note 8, U11, which has dual cameras. And, I know. Exactly. And that's how good it was last year. I think next year, we're going to have the same situation. We're going to get to July or August of next year, and there's going to be roundups. What's the best smartphone camera of 2018? Pixel 2. Yeah. I mean, especially portrait mode is blowing my mind. Look, I have to say, I don't have a lot of seat time with portrait mode on an iPhone because I don't have an iPhone with dual lenses. Um, but I, I hear it's gotten very good. I do. Um, it's really good. Google gets it better, though, with Oh, Google hair. blows my mind. Oh, with, with, exactly. With, with the hair outline. The, the iPhone 8 Plus that I have, my wife has curly hair which means any portrait mode feature usually messes up. Messes it up. <laughs> because there's light coming through her hair and this and that. It's not a uniform shape as, you know, with a lot of people. My wife's hair is like the subject case that you should use to take pictures. And it, the, the iPhone 8 Plus can't get it right. The Google Pixel, though, the Pixel 2, does it good. I mean, it, it's it, misses, it misses sometimes, but it, it gets it a lot more than everything else. Yeah, I've seen it miss, um, but most of the time it gets it. Like Richard Lai, uh, I was in Hong Kong last week, so I spent some time with him. You know, he's, we always like to go hang out and shop for phones and stuff at the markets. And uh, I asked him if I could take uh, a portrait of him specifically for my, my YouTube review, which if you watch, which will be linked in the description and is also linked in last week's description of the podcast. Um, watch my YouTube video. It's epic. It's like 29 minute video on the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL. Uh, You'll see the picture I took of him and, you know, he has super spiky hair, like, you know, he puts gel Mm -hmm. in it and it's insane how well it cut out this incredibly, like if you had to do this by hand with Photoshop, it would take you an hour. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you're skilled, (laughs) like it's sad hard and it did a perfect job on that. So, and in low light, it does portraits in low light, like nothing else. Yeah. Right. I I mean, the, the low light photography that you can do with the pixel 2 is unbeatable for a smartphone right now it's absolutely and that's what i mean by unbeatable. when i was comparing it to s95 you know canon the high-end canon point and shoots and the rx100 which is uh you know pretty high-end uh sony point and shoots uh we're getting to that level at least in terms of low light it's remarkable um what else do you need to know about the pixel 2s Pure Google, pure Android, awesomeness. Everybody loves it. Uh, <laughs> I'm simplifying here, but uh, who can't, Who doesn't like pure Google? Pure Android, I mean. I don't know. Sometimes pure Google seems a little boring to me. But, well, but when it I works. Say, it's fast. It works really fast. But, you know, once you get used to a skin, it's hard to go to a pure version of Android because you're That's like, That's why oh. all phones should have a pure version of Android. Yeah, maybe. That way we don't have this problem. You maybe. see, I solved it for you. That's why <laughs> I put you, Google you Now crave. Launcher on all my phones. That way I don't have to, or Nova. That way I don't have to worry about it. No, but even, I even wish with the, the Google Now Launcher, like which I do have installed on most of my devices, it's the small things like, I don't know, the Galaxy S8 always on display is Well, that better. remains. No, but it's better than 
you know, the Pixel stock Android always on display. Always on, yeah, it's like, true. They have some extra touches, like within the notification panel, that make it a little bit easier to use. It's not as, I don't know, rigid. I want to. Yeah, it- you're right. It's a bit rigid, but I think that's what I like. That's why I think people like their iPhones. Yeah. Because it's rigid, and I think it's like it, it it gives you a good balance between too rigid iPhone mm-hmm. and too completely programmable. Uh, witness people who buy one pluses and yeah. don't even out of the box don't even use the stock ROM and put something else on. And I'm like, <laughs> those what are, is wrong with you? Those are insane like, people. I, seriously, I don't understand them. I can't remember the last time I rooted a phone. So I know yeah, why. Why it, would you do that anymore? There's so, no need anymore. I mean, there's honestly, no need. They're good enough. No, unless you have like an old Nexus Five and you want to run uh, Oreo on it, then I can. I get it. Yeah. Uh, because the Nexus Five is still an awesome phone. Um, but here's the thing I want to point out. Um, so overall, Pixel Two, Pixel Two XL, phenomenal. I do. Am, I'm a bit bummed by the design language and how inconsistent it is between the HTC and the LG. Like that beveled polished edge around the display on the pixel 2 uh, versus this kind of waterfall glass melding into the aluminum you see on the pixel 2 xl mm-hmm. doesn't give us a design consistency you can really tell these two phones are from the same family but they're kind of you know siblings from another parent yeah you can tell you know one's like built by lg and H- one's exactly. built by htc and not to say that htc design is bad it's different Stayed. Well, it stayed. Well, it it's it's two years ago. It's very boring. It's it's very boring. But at least the Pixel Two XL, despite its display issues, has a very exciting looking design comparatively. But which color do you have? Black. I have them both in black, which is the only. I you mean, didn't get the trust two tone. I I want. I didn't have a choice. Uh, I want the two tone, but I feel that if you want to show the family resemblance, the two black ones are the yes. closest you'll get. Well, and I, I actually wanted to get the the teal one. I forget the name of the oh, color yeah, for it. The teal one is, but cool. it wasn't was not available in locked. It was only available with Verizon. Do you have it in white or black? I have it in black. Yeah, and then to me, it's weird that the white Pixel Two has a white glass back with a black Pixel. The white Pixel Two XL has a black glass back. Weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the Panda. I think they should have done the two-tone on both yeah. and the little power button in red on both. That would have really kind of popped up the HTC design. Yeah. It just really feels so sweet. inconsistent. It's just weird. Um, the other things that, um, I mean, as a performance is spectacular, camera spectacular. The Oreo experience, I think, is wonderful. Um, lack of headphone jack is another major vexing thing. I don't think, as we said earlier, I don't think Google is in a market position to impose this on its users yet, yet they did it. And I think that's bad. Uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Well, I'll, so I agree with you. I, you know, I just spent about two and a half weeks in a car traveling across the country and we were hooking up our phones to our car stereo via uh, aux in with a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. And so if I would have used this device as my main device, I would have to live the dongle life yeah um but we're we're almost there as to bluetooth and USB-C audio but it's gonna be next year i mean as far it's as gonna ex- be a while as far as accessories go the first ones are finally dropping from mainstream manufacturers uh you know bluetooth sorry like yeah uh, i think 
Vmoda is going to release, you know, USB-C headphones. Um, there's a couple other, you know, high-end headphones that are going to come out with USB-C. But the problem is the standard's not fully fleshed out yet. That's the big issue. And that's what I've been saying. I mean, I had an entire podcast about this. Yeah. And yeah. And I, I remember listening to that one. And it, the, the thing is, though, like everyone's going. And so I think Google just like, you know, it's going there anyways. No one's going to not buy the phone. I think they should have done it. it next year. And this year they should have, you know, um, paralyzed themselves with LG and Samsung, who are market leaders, particularly Samsung, and mm -hmm. still retain the headphone jack just to stick it to Apple. And Google should have done the same because they stuck it to Apple last year and they did it so publicly. And then a year later, they turn around to be, you know, essentially cowards. Yeah, I remember that during the press event. And you're like, and it does have a 3.5 millimeter yeah. headphone so jack. So I think it that was, was a, a miss. Um, on the plus side, unlike the HTC U11, which has a digital dongle in the box, which is the only thing it supports, uh, that is a standard digital dongle, mind you, but it's absolutely horrendous sound quality because it's a $12 dongle and has a crappy DAC and crappy headphone amp. Mm -hmm. Google gave us also a digital dongle, which by the way, works great with the U11 and vice versa. The crappy U11 dongle works great with a Pixel. Um, that dongle in the box on the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL is a high quality dongle. It is not like V30, you know, quad DAC, High quality, which nothing can beat other than the V20, maybe, yep. which has the same hardware, um, or th some of the G6s in Korea that have the same hardware, but it's pretty damn good quality. So basically, you're not cheaping, you're not, you, for those of you like me who don't believe that there's enough of an ecosystem of wireless headphones and it will take decades to have an ecosystem of wireless headphones that are relevant because we have. 40 years of really high quality 3.5 millimeter yeah, headphones exactly. and earbuds to go after you will be happy to know that the dongle is actually good and um that's good news essential phone has a digital dongle as well and it's also for my here pretty good so if you have a u11 do yourself a favor throw away the dongle that came with it do not ever buy another htc dongle uh, at <laughs> least in the short term and go buy on the google store the Pixel 2, Pixel 2 XL dongle uh, and spend that whatever, $15, $20. It's well going to be worth your while. Also, it's smaller and prettier than the gray crappy dongle that came with the U11. And that's my takeaway. Uh, now, if you have a Moto Z or an Li Eco Pro 3, that dongle, those, those two dongle, U11 and uh, Pixel 2 XL dongles will work on your phone. But if you have the dongle that came with your Moto Z or your Le Eco, they're analog dongles and they will not work they with the 11 nope. or the Essential or the, um, or the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL. So, so that's because it's not standardized very yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Yet. It goes back to the standardization of it. And those $3 dongles you can buy on Amazon that are generic from China are for analog support only, so they will not work on U11 or Pixel 2 XL or Essential. Just be aware of that. You heard it here. Well, not first because we had an entire, almost an entire podcast about that a while ago. Um, but I'm excited that the dongle in the inbox is good because that is at least a little bit of a redeeming feature. Now I need to find such a high quality dongle that has a USB-C input to charge at the same time. Yeah, good luck with that. That's going to take a while. But I'm sure like Belkin or, you know, Anchor or one of the big boys will do it soon. And it won't be bad, hopefully. I think we'll see a lot at CES next year. I hope so. And maybe we can thank the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL for making it real. 
because of all these phones so far, it's not like the U11 is going to get any market share. The Moto Z's, meh. I don't know if they got much market share. The Loico certainly didn't. So maybe, and the Essential certainly isn't. So maybe this will be the turning point. But you're right. I mean, it's kind of a fragmented world. Right? You've got different Bluetooth standard, Aptex, Aptex HD, not Aptex. And you have like USB-C analog, USB-C digital, lightning. Oh, what a mess. Just think that little port we've had for 100 years just works. It just works. Uh, such a pain. Anyway, let's talk about some rumors, shall we? Yes. I think we're done talking about the... I mean, we could go on about the Pixels for two hours. This is an hour-long show. Come I don't on, think we two can more do hours it. on the Pixel. Let's oh, do it. Oh, no, no, no. I can't. I got stuff to do. So, uh, rumors about HTC coming out with a U11 Plus, which looks like has a ultra-widescreen display. Yes. I'm also hearing rumors of a mid-ranger from HTC coming soon. So, the, the rumor of the mid-ranger, I think it's supposed to be an Android One device. Ooh, so it, that's kind of exciting. Oh, speaking of, as an aside, sorry to interrupt, Nick, but I'm going to forget otherwise. I reviewed the G, the sorry, the Moto X4 Android One, and I have a review video on my YouTube channel. We didn't discuss it much on last week's podcast, and we haven't had time this week, but it's a pretty awesome phone. Go check it out. And I'm getting the um, the Mi A1, the Xiaomi Android One. I actually one just phone. took that out of the box today. Once I got Woo, how was it? Uh, I just finished setting it up. It feels like a OnePlus 5. It feels That's and looks like a OnePlus 5. That's which is funny. really nice for an dual camera? One device. Dual camera, yeah. Oh, wow. Metal okay, body, that's gonna dual be cool. camera. Um, yeah, I just finished setting it up, so I haven't done pretty much anything. I was like, it just got it out of the box about an hour they ago. They sent you one, huh? That's really nice. Um. But yeah, I, I think with this Android One thing is evolving from what Google originally launched it as, you know, for, you know, up and coming markets, really cheap devices. Now we're seeing mid-range to high mid-range devices from manufacturers we actually know and recognize and trust. And they're, you know, like with the Moto, there were some Moto hints to it. I think the, on, on the, um, on the desktop, there's a folder with some Xiaomi with the A1 with some Xiaomi apps in it. And I believe the HTC device is going to have that as well, because I believe the HTC device is supposed to have edge sense as well, like the U11 and the Pixel. Oh, cool. Well, and like the Pixels, yeah. The, we didn't talk much about that, but it, it's there. And I think it's a very quick way to get the assistant. Very cool. Um. I'm looking forward to the Xiaomi A1. And I am also looking forward to whatever HTC is going to send our way because I have a feeling I'm going to be a big fan of Android One phones. Mm -hmm. Well, and the fact that I took this one out of the box and it got an update right away. Ah, nice. So what do you take on that other rumor from HTC though? So there's that mid-range Android One phone and then there's a super high-end U11 with an ultra-wide screen um, rumor. I I'm excited for it, mainly for the fact that it's going to be pretty much what the Pixel 2 XL is, but from HTC. And pretty much what the U11 should have been. Yeah, I mean, depending on what, this, <laughs> what you want the screen size to be. I have a feeling it's going to be a foreign uh, product only. Like, it's not going to be, it's like Taiwan or Korea or, you know what I'm saying? I don't think it's going to be a US model. Well, if it is a U.S. model, it'll probably uh, only be available from HTC.com. Right. Like the Ultra. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, other rumor, a OnePlus 5T, essentially a OnePlus 5, and instead of improving the processor this time, uh, like they did with the 3 to the 3T last year, this supposedly give us, giving us an ultra-wide screen display, but only at 1080p, kind of like the, P10, uh, the, sorry, the Mate 10 Pro. Thoughts mm -hmm. on that? Um, I don't know. My thoughts on OnePlus are always mixed, um, just because of who they are and what they've done. So, um, I kind Can of you elaborate on that. <laughs> I didn't, who they are and what they've done? It sounds just ominous. Like their their whole marketing schemes, how they started from the very beginning. They had a lot of questionable things that they were doing from a marketing standpoint. Yes, it's very cocky. And I think if you can get past that, I don't think it's necessarily a bad strategy. It's worked out okay for them. And sometimes it's come back to bite them, like this privacy thing recently. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what else, uh, you know, there's been issues over the years. I don't know. So um, I, I honestly, I have more of a beef with OnePlus as a company than their actual products. Their products, products are actually yeah, good. Yeah. So I, I'm excited for the product itself. Um it, it's one of those things with OnePlus where, you know, they, they put out a very high-end device that has really good specs in one aspect, but then in the other aspect, they kind of miss the mark. Um, so I'm... The I'm, camera on this thing, oh my God. You want to hear about subcar cameras compared to the state-of-the-art today? OnePlus 5 and Moto Z2 Force. Yes. There are your two flagships with non-flagship cameras. Mm-hmm. Well, and two flagships with dual cameras, which can't even perform on a level that a single camera can perform. Oh, yeah. Now with a Pixel 2, for sure. Ouch, right? Well, not not even that. I mean, they can't even perform on the same level as the Galaxy S8. Oh, you mean like just for regular photography? Yeah. I was just thinking of portraits. Oh, you're right. Yeah. They're not, they're not competitive. No. They're like, you know, a 7 or a 6 out of 10 compared to the average 9 or 10 out of 10 we're getting and compared to the 10 or, or 11 or 12 we're getting from the Pixel 2, right? Correct. So, I mean, the fact that they're going with the larger display, the different aspect ratio, you know, we've seen, we just spent a whole lot of time talking about it with the Pixel XL and I'm yeah. thinking they might be, you know, inherit Writing maybe some of those things so some yeah. of those same issues just because you know maybe it's not just an exclusive thing to the pixel i'm really hoping that oneplus 5 the 5t sorry has a slightly improved camera system that somehow maybe we can get to a place where they can maybe be an 8 out of 10 instead of a 7 or a 6 i think they'll get there i mean it's it's hard to say because you know they don't you know, with the relation with Oppo and what Oppo's doing, you know, kind of guides what OnePlus is doing. But sure. it, if if they can figure out that relation a little bit better and give OnePlus a little bit of a boost and not force them into what Oppo is necessarily doing, because Oppo's had yeah. some really good camera technology over the years. I mean, if you look back three or four years ago, they were doing, you know, I forget what they called it, they, but you know, their camera was taking like 20 pictures and then merging all the pictures together. Uh, oh, I'm make, creating like a 41 megapixel yeah, the 41 shot. Remember megapixel. that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they've had some cool things, but we haven't seen any of that translate over to OnePlus yet. And Oppo's really not doing that much anymore anyway. So, it, I don't know. It's kind of been quiet from them on the camera front for a long time. Yeah. You know, the phone that I saw in Hong Kong and got my hands on because Richard Lai uses it as his daily driver that made me want to just go and buy one at the markets right on the spot. But I, I held back because I know I can get a review unit 
was the Xiaomi Mix 2. Oh my god. It is so sexy. It's not just that it's edgeless on three sides, but the proportions are so much better than last year's Mi Mix. Mm -hmm. And it has OIS on the camera this time around. And it just is smaller, feels right, and it looks, it looks the look. I mean, wow, what a phone. Because I remember last year's Mi Mix. I actually owned it and I got rid of it by, before I came back to the States. But I was like, ah, I really don't want to get rid of this phone. Like, I didn't use it as a daily driver, but it was the first device to look like that with the edgeless display. Uh, I mean, we talk about phones with edgeless, you know, edge-to-edge -edge displays right now, but even compared to last year's Mi Mix, the aspect ratios are off yeah. by what that phone offered. And even the, the new one is even better. Yeah, the new one is, they nailed it. This is what the Mi Mix we wanted originally to be is. And it's amazing. I want one so bad. The other phone that I saw was a Meizu Pro 7, I think, uh, which um, Lewis at, at uh, Unboxing Therapy got his hands on a while ago, which is really cool. It's got a tiny little selfie screen on the back of the phone. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a gimmick, right? But I was like, I'm a sucker for cool form factors, you know? It's something and that so stands this out from the crowd. Yeah, it's just, and it's, it comes in red. Again, it took all my effort not to buy it. And it was cheap too. It was only like 2,600 Hong Kong dollars, which is like 300 and something dollars US. And I, I almost pulled the trigger. And then I realized I need to buy a phone like I need a hole in my head, you know? How many phones do you have sitting on your desk right now? I have no idea. Like, I need to clean up, Nick. It's ridiculous. I have to return all these phones. They don't belong to me. I can't sell them to eBay. I can't give them to friends. Yeah, it's... It's just I hard have, find, finding the boxes. To put I have at in. least 100 phones in my house right now, and, and 75 of those need to go back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And right. I've been procrastinating. Usually, I do a yearly or every two-year major cleanup and i'm about at the two and a half year mark where i really really need like i have a g g3 somewhere still that's was that's kind of roughly the time around which i sent stuff back last time so that's how behind i am oh wow i don't know how you do it how do you do it uh i usually go in about six month cycles because you're I, much more disciplined than i am then well only because i don't have the room and my wife gives me crap Oh, you have a, uh, my spouse is a little more accommodating. That's why. Maybe I need him to ride my ass about that. Yeah, maybe so. There you go. No, my wife, every, every so often, she's like, are you going to send some stuff back? You have a pile of phones on your desk. No, I literally have piles of phones on my desk right now. Like, literally, they're not even boxes. They're like stacked three or four high. Yeah. I know the pain. Sometimes they slide off and fall on the ground. They do that, especially with these curved displays. Correct. Of course, my ground is made of wood, so they don't get damaged. I just leave dings in my <laughs> you, get, <laughs> you totally know what I'm talking I, about, I, right? I did a drop test was a year and a half ago with the original Z-Force, you know, with the unbreakable screen. I did a drop test in my house, and I was like, oh, crap, I put dents in my floor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I totally did put I put dents in. My, thankfully, my apartment in San Francisco is very old and has a lot of quote unquote character, and so an extra few dings on the floor really won't make Isn't much of a difference. difference. These floors need to be refinished so bad. Well, see, there we are. I think we've talked about every topic. I mentioned Scott Croyle, didn't I? No, I don't think we did. 
Did we not talk about Scott? So Scott Croyle used to be the a designer HTC who gave us the HTC One, the M7, and then the M8. I think he left before the M9. And he went on to help co-found Nextbit, which made the Robin, and that's his industrial design. And then, then they got acquired by Razer. And he just announced today that he's leaving Razer uh, and taking the head of HTC design with him. And they're starting their own design studio called Attic. Super exciting. Yes. I mean, so it's I'm, not just phones. He makes all kinds of things. Like he designs all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, his, his reputation for design goes back years. I mean, he's worked with Nike. He's worked with a handful of other companies. When he, before he started working at HTC, HTC actually acquired his company, One & Co. That's right. Uh, That's how it happened. Yeah. And I think they were based out of San Francisco, I think. They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Attic is a San Francisco company as well. It's called Attic SF. Yeah, so he's back in San Francisco doing what he was doing, what was it, seven, eight years ago now, um, back to working with multiple companies on product design. And that's that's essentially what he wanted to do. I mean, when he went with Nextbit, he got pulled into a lot more things. He was doing some marketing stuff. He was doing more product development. But he really wants to focus on product design development and that's, you know, his passion. And, you know, good luck to him. I, I think he's yeah, going to produce super some amazing you know, products. Scott and I have coffee on a semi-regular basis. And so I'm really happy for him and for uh, his team that he's building. Uh, this is great news. I think we're going to see some really cool products out of, out of his team. Um, and maybe some smartphones again. Um, what was I going to say? Do you want to plug yourself? Tell people where they can find you, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at Nick M. Gray, um, or else I have my works on hccsource.com or androidme.com. And I'm also doing a YouTube channel with smartphone and other gadget reviews. At it's a good one. Thank you. Uh, and it is the High Tech Traveler. High Tech Traveler on YouTube, if you search that. Yep, go check it out. It's really cool. It's got a good variety of content. Um, you know where to find me at Tank Girl on uh, Twitter. That's Tank Girl without the vowels, like the comic book character T N K G R L. You can obviously find this podcast at mobiletechpodcast.com. Now, remember that is not the RSS feed. You need to visit on the web mobiletechpodcast.com and then find the RSS feed there and then put that in your podcast app. We're also in uh, iTunes and in. Um, pocket casts and my youtube channel that complements this podcast so if you want to see the phones that i talk about a lot of them are in youtube videos that i make uh youtube.com slash miriam joar my full name spelled out uh and that's basically where you'll find me i want to thank world podcasts for uh hosting and producing this podcast for me uh, and if you are a sponsor and you're interested in uh, sponsoring the show, uh, please get in touch with me. You can find how to do that by just visiting my Twitter. All right. Thanks so much uh, for being on, Nick. It was really a pleasure. It's really particularly exciting to have a, a, such a big HTC person on the show. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. Uh, all right. Stay tuned for another one next week, folks. Cheers. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.